Hello, and welcome to the Modern Maker Podcast. Today is Thursday, November 1st, otherwise known as Men Make Dinner Day. So I guess that's the day where, like, the the man of the house makes dinner. Seems like an old holiday, old school holiday. Yeah, what kind of puritanical calendar are you getting this crap from? <laughs> it's antiquated. <laughs> so, Chris, when's the last time you made dinner? Pop-tarts uh, don't count. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> we can... I'd say obviously Dolores does the bulk of the work, but I mean, definitely obviously. help out. What kind of caveman are you? <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> okay. Without uh, take, giving too much credit to myself, Dolores does the bulk of the work, but there I do go. help out. I made seven Great. and egg tonight. You bring tonight. home that blue apron. <laughs> yeah, I heated up some tortillas tonight. That's that's something. Well, when Mike's here, Mike would yeah, always I'd... cook chicken, and I'd always cook steaks. Surf and turf. Wait, no, turf and turf. Fur and, that's fur it. and feathers. <laughs> there you go. All right, I guess that's enough uh, men make dinner talk. What are you guys working on? Well, Chris, I what? think you're going to have the big news. So we should save that for last. Okay. So, Ben, what have you been up to? I've been back to editing. So I'm going to see when by the time this podcast comes out, I will have posted a YouTube video for the first time in a long time. And it's the table that I made for Gary V. And I added a new little segment to this where I get a lot of questions about how I come up with ideas. And that's a really hard thing to describe. It's, it's hard to shoot a video of thinking. So what I did was is I used a whiteboard to try to diagram out my process for how the idea sort of came to be. So that's a new little segment that I'm adding into the videos. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about that. It's always cool to when you when you find a new gimmick, and then it's always kind of antsy when you throw it out there, and you're like, "Oh yeah, people hate that," or they like it. <laughs> but it's so I've seen the I've seen the section of the video you're talking about. I haven't seen the whole thing yet, but the the whiteboard idea I think is really neat because you can get through quite a bit of information relatively quick, and you're also not having to compete with. If you were explaining the same thing while you were building something, you would have to try and have two ideas talking over each other. But with this, it kind of gives a good starting point. That way, people already know what it's going to look like roughly mm-hmm. while you're building or before you've even built it. Does that make sense? Yeah. And it's also from from a practical production standpoint, it's a really fast and effective way to explain something visually like it's faster with the the ability in the editing software to speed up the footage or slow it down you can make the drawing look like it's happening really fast or go real slow and it's almost like you have more control than if you were 3d modeling something or doing post-production graphics within the the software editors themselves right on and that's something you do a little bit too chris but you do it with sketchup yeah, I like to, uh, especially I got that keyframe animator plugin. So I've been using that for probably the past like three months or so where you can actually make the objects animate. And yeah, the reason I use it is I think it's just a good way to, you, you can accomplish something in like 20 seconds that gets people like a good understanding of what they're going to see. And it saves on a lot of confusion, especially because so many things just look exactly the same. Even though you could be doing something totally different, you're still just kind of standing in front of a table saw making a cut. So if you can kind of explain like, okay, here are like the five steps that I'm going to do here, then they understand kind of the purpose of what you're doing, I think. I think it just makes it a lot easier to get your get get adjusted to what you're watching. Yeah. It also helps if you forgot to shoot a certain thing or if your camera yes. battery died, I guess. I have yeah. used I've it I've seen for you that do that a couple too. times. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but build-wise, I'm... I'm working on a project for Home Depot separate from the house, although it'll end up at the house. And they sent me a really awesome, one of those big deluxe stainless steel outdoor grills. Is it one on a stand or one that you insert into a a custom kitchen? It's on a stand and it has the doors down below that uh, open up where you put the propane tank. But it has these two little like wings. It's a very standard looking high-end stainless steel grill. So it's like the, the cabinet with a kind of rounded over top that hinges and opens up. And then these two little kind of gimpy stainless steel wings that stick off to either side. <laughs> and it, so I'm I'm welding like a steel frame with concrete countertops that'll sort of fit all into. So basically, so it takes this standalone grill and kind of puts it into more of an outdoor kitchen context. So 
welding a lot of tube steel and experimenting with different primers. And uh, yeah, I've gotten so used to with welding and working with metal over the last three to four months that it's almost becoming to go to and, and figuring out ways to sort of trim out and you can get so much more precise than you can with with wood in some ways, but I'm still using some of the same concepts of, you know, oversizing the frame where the grill is going to fit in a little bit and then welding on some thin plate steel to kind of hide the gaps afterwards. So that's been kind of fun. I got to say, when you said uh, you're working with a lot of tube steel, I thought you were going to say tube something else. Tube steaks, tube steaks. <laughs> tube steaks, that's the one. Oh, I was going to say tubed, tubed meats, grilling <laughs> yeah. up some hot dogs. He's grilling up some tube steaks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but this week, oh, I'm happy to report. So I think last I left off was I explained that I finished the store and that they were opening that week, the clothing store in Oklahoma City. And I am happy to report the opening was on Friday night and it was popping. It was very full of people. And apparently they did insanely good numbers their first week or first weekend. Mm -hmm. And so shout outs, way to go. I'm really happy for Caleb and... I'm excited to see how that store does long term, just because Oklahoma City isn't exactly a, the typical market for that type of store. So either way, if you've seen the store, I've had a couple people reach out to me on Instagram that are local and have swung by. That's awesome. Shoot me a pic. Let me know. There's a very, very small percentage of a chance that I'll be there. So don't go expecting me. But <laughs> greeting people. if you do door. end up, <laughs> if you're in the area and you want to stop by 1032 Space, do it and let me know. I'm excited to see when people do. Aside from that, just finish, finishing up the bathroom remodel. I don't want to go too deep into that. Uh, I will save that for next week. The last thing that I will talk about, though, is that I put out a video building the desk that went into Gary V's new L.A. office. So I built this a month and a half ago. It's been a while. I've been sitting on this footage. But basically what I did was I built a oak plywood and plate steel desk with a tube steel base nothing insane in terms of new techniques but it was a cool com uh is it culmination am i saying that correct yeah culmination mm -hmm. that's a word yeah. i don't use it very often things but it was a cool together. culmination of a lot of different techniques that i've been experimenting with me and ben have been throwing back quite a bit i was able to bend steel i did a lot of welding on the tube steel base. I used rectangular tube steel, which was something that I've been interested in quite a while. And um, what else? Maybe I made my own edge banding that was bigger than three quarters of an inch. So I guess that was also the first time doing that. But probably didn't need to bring that up. That's pretty simple, <laughs> really. <laughs> Turns hey, man, out it's the exact same way you make three quarter inch ed ba edge banding. But you broke the three quarter anyways, inch We came up with a really cool way to make our own clamps. We did, and those were slightly premiered in the video, and there's been some interesting comments uh, with people throwing back, oh, man, what are those? They're like the Rockler Bandy clamps, essentially. We modified some typical spring clamps that you would get for a dollar at Home Depot uh -huh. with some bungee cord to make Bandy clamp-style clamps, like what you would get from Rockler or from... But more than I think 10 Woodcraft times makes cheaper. their own set now. But really, they're about a buck, plus the cost of... So a buck a quarter of a bungee cord. Yeah, so a buck 25 and it's What did the Rockler one sell for? I hate to say it because I hate I think they're about a four pack for 25 or something along those lines. Okay. And I hate to say it because Rockler's a sponsor, they're an amazing company. Love I love them. I'm 100% for Rockler, but I am excited that we were able to come up with this idea. And I'll be throwing out a video on that very soon. That was such a I remember that moment really clearly. Where you're just right. like, hey, I'm going to do this. And we were just kind of going back and forth. And all of a sudden, like, wait, can we just do this? Does this work? Yeah. And then it did. And it worked really well. And we we're just like. And, yeah, because we were kind of throwing around the idea. Of, I think we were like drinking. I think too. for some reason, <laughs> we were definitely drinking. We were a couple of Modellos deep. But I remember we were just talking about the idea of making our own edge banding loosely and how inconvenient it is because you don't have. It's not pre-glued. So it's. It's kind of messy, really, and if you use masking tape to clamp the edge banding onto the plywood, it's really inconvenient because the tape is, you know, it's made to peel off relatively easily, so it doesn't exactly hold that great, and you don't want to use duct tape or something too strong that's going to leave residue, and then, like we mentioned, the quote-unquote specialized clamps for things like that are really expensive, so it's kind of cost prohibitive, and it's something that I, I could get them from Rockler, and I could use them in all my videos, but I know... A lot of my viewers don't want to watch me use 50 bandy clamps 
because I can. Right. Um, so this was cool. And it was, it was a really, it was a cool brainstorm because it went from, okay, how can we make some, something that's elastic or something that has some sort of spring back to it between the clamps. And then we realized there's already holes drilled in the heads of the clamps so that you can mount them to a wall. So we're like, okay, great. We can string something between the head, the, the two ends of the clamps, what can go in there? And you're throwing around surgical tubes, I'm throwing around super high-grade industrial rubber bands. And then <laughs> all of a sudden, it's like, wait a second. There's bungee cords in the garage because that's been something that we've been wanting to use more and more anyways. And we still haven't even tried to flat bungee cords, which will take it to a whole nother level. Exactly. So there's still a little bit more experimenting to do with this idea as a whole. But it's going to be cool. I think we, we need to start a series of videos called Building Tools with Few Tools. <laughs> two tools Four, building I I tools that before, with few tools. Yeah. Yes. You're still, yeah, you're still workshopping that name. <laughs> right. That's the only reason I haven't made the video yet. <laughs> I got to, uh, I'll provide the counterpart on those bandy clamps because I will say I will go to the grave using those things. I love them. They're amazing. They're so convenient, but I always do a lot of edge banding whenever I'm edge banding. Yeah. It's never oh, that I'm just yeah, doing one edge enough. of a cabinet. Right. And so to do it, it's like, okay, great. But I want a hundred of them. Right. Yeah. And so, I, I, yeah. I have that same problem too. Yeah, exactly. Too much of a good thing. Mm-hmm. But that's enough for me and Ben because this week, Chris is the one with the big news. He's making a very drastic change in his life. That's right. Let's hear about it. No one's going to talk for a little bit. The floor is yours. Oh, no. I want you guys to chime in because I don't want to. Do okay, too much awesome. of a soliloquy, but uh, you're gonna so fail. Actually, yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> We're not gonna save you if you start dive bombing. So I've already started. Uh, I think I think Ben was talking about more on the macro, but oh, okay, uh, got it. <laughs> yeah, so I, I've already kind of started making the change, which is I quit my job. So I'm going full time with content creation. I guess I don't know what you would call it. People woo, kept, woo. Uh, yeah. So yeah, Timberland been, Pro uh, modeling. Yeah, that that one spot was so hot. I was like, oh, I'm wasting my life. This is my calling. Yeah, so it's been like, what, three weeks now, I guess. I think this is my third week that I've not been going to regular work anymore. Uh, and you're a full-time, are you a full-time influencer? Are you a, a full-time YouTuber? What is your label? What are you choosing? I don't know, man. See, the, actually, that was the first part. So like when I gave my notice at work and people were like, oh, what are you going to do? I was like, well, internet stuff. Yeah. I, you know, I always <laughs> just say I have a YouTube channel and I make videos of me making furniture that people watch. Like, I always feel like that's just the easiest way to put it. And then it, it saves me from having to say content creator or influencer or yeah. whatever that makes me sound douchey like we were talking about it, last week. Right. Okay. Well, report back next week. Yeah. I'll come Sleep up with on a it a little title. while. You got to come up with your official title because I will. I'll print up the business. I plan. myself. I myself am an artsy entrepreneur. That's how I explain myself (laughs) when people ask. Uh, I don't know about Ben, uh, but maybe we'll get his title next week as well. I'm just a designer that sometimes makes things instead of drawing them. Yeah, well, (laughs) we should all come up with titles and then next week we have to say what our title is that we've decided on for ourselves. Perfect. Okay, but anyways, Chris. But if it it involves chief and officer, you're a douchebag. (laughs) All right, we'll, we'll cross those off the list. Awesome. So you quit your job and you are full-time YouTubing. How has things changed? What is, what's happening? I'm definitely not less busy than I was before somehow. And I think part of that has (laughs) to do with knowing that I was going to go full-time and being like, okay, now I have to like make the most of it. So I kind of overextended myself in just uh, agreeing to things. Kind of like what I did. I yeah. think we talked about this a while ago, like when I had when we had Otto, our second kid, and, and I had some time off and I really overextended myself that time. I think I kind of did the same thing here. And I don't think this is going to be my normal workflow. I think that'll probably take me maybe a couple months to actually get into. But man, it's been crazy so far. And actually, one of the things that I, I'd be interested in talking to you guys, maybe this is a conversation for another time, is that I was telling Dolores after like a week or so, like I have this weird feeling of guilt. Like if I'm not constantly working on something like seven days a week and just making sure like I'm not having leisure time because I, I just feel like, okay, I quit so that I could have more time to work on this stuff. I better be working mm-hmm. on this stuff. So I, I think Trust that's going to be- It never quits and it constantly tortures you. <laughs> you will... You're going to hate it. No. <laughs> <laughs> Go back to work. 
<laughs> no, but that it's yeah, weird exactly. that 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 is one of the uh, the first feelings that I had. And actually, then another thing that I was telling Dolores last night was, I feel like I need a new goal in a way. Like in a way, the goal was to be able to quit working and do this full time. And I think that those kind of goals are actually good, like more so than like a, mo- a monetary goal or a subscriber count goal. I don't, I don't think these kind of goals are as hollow as those are. Um, but it right. still does like, like it, it took me three weeks or whatever to stop and think like, oh yeah, like I've achieved this. And like, now what am I working towards? So I don't know. I, I'm not going to like force myself to come up with a goal or anything like that. But all, obviously quitting the job, going full-time with this, that's all going to be a big life change um, that I haven't fully digested yet. But there's actually another big change that I'm making, and that is moving my main shop from my garage into a kind of warehouse space. So, and and they're kind of, I guess it was just good timing that it happened right when I was going to quit my job. Um, They were not, they are mutually exclusive though. So what happened was, if you guys remember a couple months ago, we did the live podcast um, from a store in Uptown Whittier called Local Fixture. And so the guy who owns it, Jason, um, who's become a friend, he has a warehouse space not too far away from the store that we recorded at uh, where they do like their online sales shipping and just kind of like their overflow inventory. But it was, so it's a big spot. It's like 3,000 square feet, but it was being underutilized. And he's kind of into all this stuff also. So he, And he's wanted to get more into it. And so he's like, dude, we should just use this space Like you should bring all your tools over here. We can, you know, we carved out like a little area, a lot more than what I'm used to in my garage at least. Um, And so I've moved everything there, but like we're not fully set up. I'm actually building the first project that I've worked on out of there. Um, So that's going to be another big change. It'll probably take like a month or so to get fully up to speed. But so far it's been awesome. Like actually I think the, the biggest thing so far because it's not fully set up, so I, the the space isn't as efficient as it will be, is just the fact of having a separate spot that isn't at your house, it does give it a different feeling. Like it does give it more yeah. of like a going to work feeling because it takes those, the possibility of being able to just like walk in and hang out for 15 minutes that turns into 45 minutes or whatever. So it feels like, oh no, totally. I'm going there. I'm even if I'm there for like less time than I would have spent in my garage, I feel like I'm getting more done just because I'm more focused. So yeah, but hang on. What you just got done doing this whole organization system in your current garage. I know. So I think I think you owe, owe the listeners a little bit of explanation as to why you have two shops now. Well, I did that before I knew I was moving. Like that, this all came oh, up very did quickly. Did you really? Yeah, it, it basically <laughs> wow. happened while I was building all that stuff. So it became a kind of like, oh man, like. Obviously, uh, so actually, I should say. I think that's actually a really be, good thing to have two shops. Oh no, I'm still going to be producing content yeah. out of my garage, and I think I've even talked about on here before how uh, it was probably like a year ago that I talked about the idea for like the the uh, backyard builds or whatever of doing like more DIY stuff and doing it in a separate space. So that's sort of my idea yeah. with my garage now is to turn it into more of like. I would, I would call it like a DIYer weekend warrior kind of guy, but that's like fully committed to it and isn't going to park his car in the garage. I would describe right. like that as what I want to turn the garage into eventually. Um, but yeah, I definitely want to still use it for content. I think it just has a different feeling to it. It'll be nice to do those like limited tool build builds and things that are more DIY out of that space. That'll be pretty cool though. So that means you're going to open up a lot of space if you're getting your table saw, your band sauce, and then some of the other... Oh yeah, you know more industrial type tools out of the way. Yeah, my garage is like doing something or just leaving more open space. Yeah, I'm gonna have more open space for sure. But like now, I have the I have need to get some bronco boards. (laughs) Yeah, so burrow some saw horses. Oh, burrow (laughs) boards. Yeah, Yeah, the saw horses. (laughs) Yeah, uh, I do have three of them already. I don't I don't know if I'll use them or not. But yeah, I have like the job (laughs) site saw in there, and I'll definitely get some other stuff in there too. I'll probably rebuild a different uh, like workbench to go in front of it. Um, I actually got a Craig jig. I still haven't used it, but I've always, I've been wanting to use it and I got a few Craig things and I've actually been super impressed with them. Like, I don't know why in my head they always had this, like, I had this thought that they were going to be cheap because like I just associate it with beginners, but right. All of the stuff's like the jigs themselves are really nice. Oh yeah. Like you guys have probably already seen in some of the videos I've been using like the edge guide and like they have the little track, um, track saw. I think it's called like an AccuCut. 
I got a few. How um, do you like that edge guide? I like the it. one that connects to a circular saw. Yeah. Oh, I, I think it's like way faster than doing what I was doing before with my festival of like, you know, on the cuts that are longer, where if I'm doing a rip across a full sheet of plywood in the past, I mm-hmm. would just get a, uh, like a long strip of plywood and clamp it there and do it like this thing's way faster. And the cuts have been really good. I've been doing it on the the circular saw that I got the high Koki one. Um, right. Which is, and that thing's, like, that's what I was worried about though, is the idea of getting cumulative error if you're making maybe six of the same cuts oh do you notice any of that or does it it cut pretty true i think the most that i've done is three but no they've been they've been really true yeah and in the past actually with most of that stuff what i usually end up doing is kind of using that to roughly break it down and then cutting it Mm -hmm. on my table saw um so any error that there was in it would get corrected once you did it on the table saw. But I've, that's true. I've done things that I have not cut on the table saw and they've been fine. And like, I've measured things at both edge and it's, it's consistent. Like it's actually easier to do that than it is to, to use the track. So I think I get a more accurate cut. That's awesome. Cool. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, uh, Ben, you were going to say something, right? Yeah. The other thing I think that it, the opportunity that two shops creates is that you can do a project that might take a really long time. Mm-hmm. Where you have to have the thing stationary and it can't be moved, and you're just adding a little piece to it every time. So it's like I could see a scenario where, sort of like the way Jimmy DeResta is doing the canoe, right? You can only do so many strips to the canoe a day. Right. And so you need staging space where it's going to be uninterrupted and the project can just live while you're adding to it uh, a little bit every day. So I think like a. A home shop is really ideal for that. A home shop where you don't need to move everything and and pack it all away, I think, is like a pretty handy space where you go, oh, I got a couple hours while I'm waiting for something, while I'm waiting for that Pop-Tart to toast and <laughs> run outside and add a little piece to something. What would you guys build if you had something similar to a canoe where you had to work on it here and there for small bits of time across a long period of time? Hmm. Is there something that you're not building because time is time is the main factor it would be a welding project or a concrete project Uh, a concrete project where i was making a bunch of bricks or pavers or something or a welding project where i was taking all the little scrap pieces of metal are really interesting because they're they're so different than wood they can be immediately seamlessly connected to another piece of scrap Mm -hmm. With, with wood you can't really do the same you have to like square up the edges or or, or create some way for them to to join into each other. So it would probably be something where I have the welding rig all set up at like a table. And I'm just, whenever I have like a free half hour, I weld on like, you know, 20 more little pieces onto something. And just use and up make a all the scrap. Michelangelo. <laughs> well, it's also weird. So the other type of scrap I've been experimenting is, you, you know, when you cut steel, you, you've been cutting a lot of steel yeah, recently. Quite a bit. I take a magnet and I pull up all the metal dust and you get like mm-hmm. that magnetic sand. I really mm-hmm. want to try to do something where I move that around in a clear resin or something so I can make it look like a little swirling swarm. Tornado table. <laughs> Copyright it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it would almost be more. Yeah. Like what was the Michael Crichton book where it was like little nanobots that attacked and killed people? Oh, Jurassic Park. No, it was, I think it was actually <laughs> called Swarm. it it would look like that so what else chris how has your how has your day-to-day changed or your week to week well are you keeping the same general schedule but maybe doing a little bit more back-end work or a little bit more time in post-production where's the major time now (laughs) really you're just trying to figure it out schedule for myself yeah uh i've been like okay so here's a question so how many hours a week are you getting like what are you gaining it's hard to say right now because there's so many like extra little things that I've had to do, like moving all the equipment to the shop, getting all the electrical mm-hmm. work done. So like, there's a lot of extra things that are going on right now. I'm definitely not in my groove of what I think this will become in a few weeks from now or a few months from now. I definitely need to like find a way to regiment myself because there are plenty of days where I was like staying up till two 30 in the morning, editing videos, and then getting up the next morning at like, I mean, it's hard to sleep in really in my house past like seven just because you know seven everybody's up yeah seven because <laughs> wow seven. chris getting Whew. ready for school well that's pretty much a full um, day wasted so, yeah, you wake I mean, up at seven <laughs> it's 7 p.m 
<laughs> I'm going 7 p.m. till 2 a.m. every day. No, but then yeah. like this week's been awesome because it's it's been uh, the first week working in the shop and it's felt, even though I've like been working a lot, it's just felt more relaxed in a way. Not that I'm moving slower, but just more relaxed in terms of like every minute isn't as crucial as it used to be when I'm building something. Yeah. In the past, it was like, okay, I know I have like either this day that I'm taking a vacation day plus this weekend and I have to have this project done by this day and that's that. So I know I need to get these done. These things need to be done this day. And I had to take shortcuts on things that I didn't necessarily want to take, but it was just like, if I'm going to keep up with the schedule, that's what I have to do. This has felt a little different, even though like I'm not by any means like way ahead on content or anything like that, like I have been in the past. But knowing that like if push comes to shove and I need to get something built in the next four days, I can get it done. So it gives me like a little breathing room to feel like I can spend a little extra time on something. So like right now I'm building that wireless um, charging nightstand that we've talked about a couple of times on here. And what's the, that's the one that you can, oh, you can adjust it so that when you get a new phone or you get a new accessory. Yeah. It's got like the removable. It still works with the, yeah. yeah, Okay. Awesome. Got it. Yeah. Future proof desktop organizer. Yeah. So I've been working on that. I think I've, uh, three or four days now I've been building it and like I'm pr- I'm almost done with it honestly which is about the amount of days that it, it would have taken me in the past too but it's just felt so much more like calm and I can like spend a little extra time like today like pretty much all I did was glue up some sub assemblies and then work on just like the part where the phone is going to holster in and the wireless charger is going to holster in and in the past, it would have been like just like a mad scramble to get it done. And that's good enough. And I actually got to like kind of experiment with things a little bit and, you know, figure out, do a test piece and see if if there was problems with it and make a second iteration of it. So that's right. nice. And I know that um, that's going to like pay off a lot on other projects. And like we've kind of talked about in the past, there's a lot of things that I just haven't explored because I, I felt like I didn't have the time to to have a mess up on my record. And now I do feel like I have that. So definitely want to explore some different things. Um, you know, I've always wanted to get into working with metal. And so I'm sure that next year will be the year that that happens now, just because I'll have the time to give it a shot and totally. space. Actually, yeah, I'm a hundred percent, especially if what you want to experiment with involves a new set of tools. Yeah, for sure. I'm really excited because, well, I think it's pretty obvious that you've been pretty rushed in terms of like, being able to maintain the the consistent content schedule that you have with work in the in the past, mm-hmm. and so do you think that that has kept you from doing maybe? I'm trying to think of the right way to frame this, but projects where fewer projects with like wow factor type of features. Yeah. So whether it is like a table with wireless charging, right, where it's got this thing that you know it's going to take a full day or a day or two of coming up with the idea, workshopping it actually getting it to work and then fixing all the problems along the way these types of projects is it very often that you have those ideas that you are forced to keep them on the shelf or do you think it's something that you just don't even really uh like try and think about as often yeah there's definitely a number of them that i have kept on the shelf in the past just because i i didn't have the time to do them i think more so than that those like different sorts of aesthetics that I want to play with that I've had ideas for, like even have made drawings for um, that. I just like, you know, if I look at a project and I'm like, Oh, this would take me probably like 10 days to build this project. Well, there was no way that I could have worked that into (laughs) my schedule in the past. I would have basically just had to take like two weeks of vacation to get something like that done. Um, So, yeah, I I mean, I think that's the big door that's going to open up and kind of, like I said, trying out, new mediums and stuff where, you know, you might, you may spend a week doing something and get nothing out of it other than, you know, knowledge and and skill for next time when you go to actually implement, implement that thing. But yeah, I I think that's going to be the big difference. And honestly, like with this whole thing, I really don't want to ramp up the amount of content that I put out. Like, I think that my sweet spot kind of is like two and a half videos a month, somewhere around there. I don't want to be like a weekly content kind of guy because I think that is just unsustainable for somebody like me, unless it became like a varied type of content where it was like one kind of hero project per month and then some other kinds of pieces of content that worked into my schedule. But designing and building 
four original things a month. I, I don't want to do that. I think that'll become a, a job that isn't that enjoyable. So yeah, I mean, I'm looking more forward to not necessarily doing more things, but just spending more time on the things that I am doing and and getting more out of those things. Yeah, I think a regular publishing schedule is fine as long as it's not dictating your pro- your project selection entirely. Yeah. And yeah, I've been thinking about that a lot too since I've I haven't been publishing at all because you know near, near the I had sort of a lead built up and I was publishing a lot while I was in the early process or parts of the the tiny house build, but lately I haven't been posting anything. I've just been trying to finish. Um, mm-hmm. and now that I'm starting to get back into it and, uh, putting out videos, I'm sort of thinking, how do I establish a regular publishing schedule without it dictating projects that I have to finish in a week Right. and without, uh, resorting to vlogging. <laughs> resorting. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I'm thinking about it. I haven't figured out anything yet, but, uh, I think I, I got, I think I'll by early next year I'll have something kind of figured out. Let me ask you guys this: right. I don't know, I don't know how far you typically plan out ahead. Um, I've been trying to be thirty a little bit... or forty minutes. <laughs> I was about to say, <laughs> no, but like, I'm week, I'm week to week. I know I'm probably going to eat something later. <laughs> let's just say hypothetically, yeah. like, okay, yeah. you know, you had three sponsored videos for these three particular brands in November, and then these three brands in December. Would you yeah. not even know what project you were going to do for those videos up until like the week before? Or do you kind of try to plan out like, oh, for this one, I want to build this. For this one, I want to build this. For me, I've got a sketchbook with 50 projects that I'd be happy to do next week. And mm-hmm. so if it's a sponsor where they're going to be involved in the project, someone like RZ Mask, well, I'm probably going to pick something where I'm using the belt sander that right. I'm excited about. But if it's someone like Squarespace or if it's someone like Blue Apron, those are the sponsors that kind of give me the freedom of doing whatever I want. It's mm-hmm. funny because there is that give and take with a sponsor. So yeah. you do have those sponsors where it's it's like a third party, right? They're not involved in the maker community. And a lot of times I think people look at those like you're selling out more than if you were being right. sponsored by an industry brand. But in reality, those are the ones that are the least interested in your creative. Those right. are the ones that are just like, yeah, they're working with a million influencers. They just want to make sure you say the ad read decent enough that they accept it and then it performs well. But what the actual video is, they could care less about. Right. And not to say brands I work with like RZ Mask or Rockler that they affect a video negatively, but I do take them into consideration a little bit more when I'm deciding what project to build. Um, but those are the ones that typically the audience is way more open to in terms of watching an ad read for they're totally cool with like me promoting an rz mask because it makes sense i use it literally always and it seems to be a little bit more of a natural fit but but yeah i just thought that that was kind of interesting what what were you going to answer with ben i try to just create i over i over plan right like not that i figure out what i'm doing every minute but I want to create a target-rich environment. So when I open up my to-do list, I have a menu of things that are all ready for me to participate in. Um, but I can pick the thing that I feel like at that particular moment. So whenever I want to look at my to-do list, I still want to feel like I'm choosing from the menu. I'm not being dictated by this one through ten. So right. What I try, and that's why I always like overbuy materials and tools, and just have a lot of things around me, and then a, like you, a sketchbook full of ideas, so that I can look at that, look at what's in the the garage material and tool wise, and then just gravitate towards what I'm feeling and most like doing. So the bad news is, is that that means I might have five or six projects going on at any one time, and then. <laughs> From a business side, I'll just look at whoever, whatever sponsor needs it the, the soonest and plug them into it. So when earlier this year when I was you know publishing like two or three videos a week, I was just, uh, yeah, I probably had 10 projects going at a time. Oh, I'm waiting for the paint to draw on this, start welding this. Oh, waiting for a part to come in on this thing. And then at any given time, I had like three or four videos in the can for a while. So I really don't like doing one project at a time. That's, that's the one thing that I've learned. Because sometimes you you have a more exciting idea in your head that you you need to get down. And then also, 
now the the one challenge to all this is physical space. <laughs> you need a lot of area so that you can have these kind of half finished projects all around. But I think, uh, you know, Mike, I was watching your video for the Gary V table that you did at with uh, the Urban Timber guys. And again, I, I've said this a few times that I think the ideal shop isn't filled with tools. It's filled with empty space. And yeah. when I saw all this, just the space and the the borough boards that they got, I was like, yeah, that's that's pretty ideal. I, I want a lot of open space and then a lot of I was kind of thinking about this because I'm, I'm working on a design for a welding table and I'm, I'm going to pick your brain on it uh, later, Mike. But have you ever seen how like doctors have like carts and like the uh-huh. the nurse sort of like wheels them over and it has like they'll prep those carts just for the job at hand. And then so I'd always seen that in like, you know, television shows about the medical profession, like ER and stuff. But then I I, I I did this weird like collab video with a NASCAR driver, Austin Dillon, who ended up I think winning like one of the big races. And so he gave me a tour of like one of their shops, and they do that too. Where oh, their pit crew. Well, no, even just the mechanics at the at their main base when they're just working Got overhauling it. the cars, they'll have like the assistant. He'll lay out all the tools that the the senior or, or head mechanic is going to need for that for the next couple hours. And then they, that, right. the, so they, they bring out these sort of staging carts and that way all the tools can be all against the wall in these big cabinets, but it's not convenient to walk from the car to the cabinet to get a tool, put it back, get a tool, put it back. So they prep a cart that they're going to need for that specific task that they're going to do. And with welding, a lot of times it's pretty similar tools that you're going to need outside of maybe, oh, I need these clamps instead of those clamps or you know, one or two small accessories. So that's pretty cool because you could standardize it relatively easily. Right. So here's the idea I've been thinking about. I want to make a modular welding table where it's a whole bunch of like carts that come together to make a big surface. But that way you don't have this big anchor in the middle of the room. Because I I was talking to Malecki. He's like, oh, you know, hit these people up. You can get a welding table from them. I was like, man, once you have that thing in your garage, it's not an easy thing to move. Even if it's on wheels, it takes up so much space. What I want is like a whole bunch of like maybe two foot by three foot kind of carts that can then Voltron together and create one big surface. Yeah, I, I'm picturing a bunch of plate steel and angle steel. Right. And I think it would be pretty cool. And some sort of like vice grip the kind angle of steel is, that like locks them together or something. Right, because – and this some we've noticed is uh, angle steel is really cool for mounting things on yeah. and hanging things from as well. So. Awesome. Yeah, because that's what you were doing a lot on your workbench that you built not too long ago. Yeah, that's right. Awesome. Well, what are you guys obsessed with this week? Well, before we get to that, I want to give everybody a reminder. Oh. If they want to come hang out with us early in 2019, hurry up and yes. get those workbench con tickets. They are, I think the early bird tickets are almost all gone. There's a few left. So they've sold over, I think, over 200 tickets. So it's going to be a party. Awesome. Uh, and we are headlining. Or doing the keynote. Booyah. (laughs) And I think we're going to get there like, I kind of want to get there a couple days early. I'm going tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) That's where Chris's Uh, new shop is. I got there four months It's a long commute. If you want to come hang out with us, uh, they have awesome speakers, really cool workshops. Uh, There's going to be a bunch of cool tools and products that you can test out. Last time people were learning to weld right in the booths and stuff like this. And this time it's going to be bigger. Maybe that's where I'll do it. Bigger and badder. So Workbench Con. Yeah, it's going to be really cool. Check them out. Get your tickets and tell us when you do. For Obsessions, it's going to be some podcasts. So one was the Making It. They did a good episode where they're talking about sort of the definition of an artist and all that. And uh, I would just add one thing to that discussion. It's just like you don't have to call yourself anything. It's just only do it if it like helps you. And if, it doesn't, if you don't like it, it doesn't help you, then just ignore the label. My obsession is, have you guys been getting any, like, spam kind of calls on your cell phone from, like, telemarketers? All the time. I've, I've been getting more recently. And then I listened okay. to an episode of one of my favorite podcasts called Reply All by Gimlet. And what's funny is that they – it's sort of a podcast about internet things. And one of these – telemarketers like called the person and said they're 
you know, said, oh, we have a notification that you got some virus. And they're kind of pretending that they were from Apple, but they're doing the kind of the Dwight Schrute from the office thing where they're saying, oh, we are like a licensed, a certified Apple associate (laughs) thing that's not actually Apple, but like making it sound like they really like Apple. So they're trying to do this scam. And because they called people whose job is just to report on things about the Internet, they went all the way to India to like track these people down. It is Whoa. fascinating. So they kept calling him back, and it's like the the harassee turned into the harasser. <laughs> so it's called a Reply All episode 102, where Alex Goldman turns the table on a telephone scammer. It's it's enthralling. Uh, yeah, I just, it was also just like it was so much satisfaction when you get when if you're annoyed by those kind of like shitty things and then like you see someone just be like you know what i'm gonna take all the time you're not gonna get away with this and we're just gonna <laughs> nail you down and not let you go we're just gonna totally call you out <laughs> it's so satisfying to listen to this story so uh that's reply all episode 102 it's one awesome. for our team Might there we go <laughs> i am gonna shout out a kickstarter We love highlighting Kickstarters and Indiegogos because a lot of times it is people with an idea that they don't necessarily have the funding, right? It's from people designing things independently, and that's really cool. But Mm -hmm. someone I'm going to be talking about is already popping in her own right. She is Simone, and I'm so bad at her last name, Geertz? Yeah, I was going to say Geertz. I don't know. Yeah, I know. It's just it's (laughs) one of those German names that are just hard to say in English. Say it in German. But she came... Just joking. No. (laughs) But she came out with what's called the Everyday Calendar, which is a really cool invention that she made, and she's doing a Kickstarter for, like I mentioned. Um, I will leave a link to it in the description of this podcast. It's a really cool idea. Essentially, it's basically what I would consider to be an accountability calendar. So you kind of set a goal for something that you want to do every day, Hmm. and it has... What are similar to elevator buttons? You basically click the button and then it lights up for every day of the uh, for every day of the year, and it's just a cool way of you know if you have a goal and you want to keep to it, whether it's sketching, meditating, uh, brainstorming, or working on you know a side project or something like that 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 you, that you want to be committed to. It's a really neat idea, and aesthetically, it, it's a really good looking invention or whatever you would call it as well. So, shout out to Simone Geertz. We'll leave her linked in the description, or we'll leave the Kickstarter linked in the description of the podcast, and check it out. It's already funded way over what it was needed, so hop on. Uh, we're not necessarily pushing it over the edge or anything, but regardless, if you think it's a cool thing, still support it. I think it's really cool. Give it the old Modern Maker podcast bump. Put it over the edge. <laughs> what about you, Chris? Uh, so Your I hashtag have... current obsession. Yeah, I got kind of a, I guess it'd be, it's a legit obsession, something I'm very interested in kind of a plug, kind of a question. So if you guys saw well, on my Instagram stories earlier this week, I never got look at a few new... <laughs> I don't <laughs> follow you. <laughs> no. Come on, Ben, just follow me. That's the whole reason we're doing Please. this podcast. It's all been a... Please. I'm doing a long con to <laughs> get Ben to follow me. <laughs> no, but so I got some uh, some new tools with from Hikoki, the brand that I've been working with for a couple months now. And you know, it's always cool anytime you get new tools, but I got a few that I've never had before, never had my hands on, haven't had the chance to use yet. So one of them is a multi-tool. I don't know if you guys have had yes. those. It looks like it's kind of oh, like, I a, have. They're great. like a, a Dremel, like a giant Dremel or. That's the best way you could possibly describe it. Yeah. If people are familiar with a Dremel or a rotary tool, it's kind of like those mixed together almost. So are they more useful, like construction site or yes. do you guys think I'll find uses for it in woodworking? You know what I used it for? For cutting the flooring to go around the tile. Because mm-hmm. it's basically you can do straight plunge cuts. Okay. Right. Um, so it's really good for like trimming. People use them for trimming through drywall or or backer board to like put an outlet through something. The most mm-hmm. common yep. thing you'll see in construction sites is they use them to make rectangular holes. Okay. Like punch out a uh, outlet box or whatever totally they're also really good for scraping like uh adhesive or construction adhesives off of concrete or another surface too what were you gonna say mike you remember you did what ah no it's not worth it not worth (laughs) it you already forgot what you remembered you did um yeah Yeah. so i'm interested in trying that and then the other thing is a cordless bandsaw Mm -hmm. which i don't know if you guys have ever used one of a handheld bandsaw 
Yeah, yeah. So it's like the ones where you know, Man, it's like that's enclosed. Exciting. Yeah, I don't know. Is it that for metal? Like it, it's well, that's what I'm thinking. It's probably yes, more geared is. towards metal than anything I do. So Another Johnny Brooke has one, and I used it in his Asheville shop, and it is really cool. So the thing is, if you're you said you're interested in metalworking, and so once you start metalworking, I mean, obviously that's when you would start using it, but. If you have a chop saw, a metal chop saw, whether it's an mm-hmm. abrasive wheel or it's one of the the spark free wheels, yeah. If you're doing ninety degree cuts, I think it's way more convenient to use the chop saw than the band saw. Mm-hmm. Um, so I still think for like basic metal working, if you got to get that or a band saw, I would still say get the chop saw. But I just don't do many freehand cuts whenever mm-hmm. I'm doing stuff with metal, unless I'm using the angle grinder. So. In my personal workflow, I don't think I would use a bandsaw a ton, but when I would need it, it's really handy. Yeah, so I'm, I'm excited to just like mess around with it. It's always cool anytime you get something that you've never used before just to kind of play around with it. So yeah, that's my Totally. Obsession. All right, so I've got a little bit of maker news for you guys. Oh, what's that? Do you hear you that? Quit. Man, I love oh, that song. It it's such a good song. This past week, maybe it was the week before, Boston Dynamics on Instagram posted a drywall hanging robot and it looked pretty decent. It worked a little slow and the robot definitely looked like it was blind, but (laughs) it took a lot of breaks, (laughs) but it still hung drywall pretty well. And they, I remember they had a pretty sassy caption on their post and this is what they said. Has it done your better job than you? No. Will the next version do its job better than you? Probably. Dun dun. I'm an expert drywall hanger. Boston Dynamics. <laughs> well, I think you're missing the point, man. That was a little. That was a pretty saucy little caption that they put on that post. I feel like. The same. Maybe it's just me. Humans are obsolete. I mean, eventually, I don't know. Who knows? I'd like to see one be an artist entrepreneur. I thought that might inspire a hot take from you guys, like. As soon as they start making YouTube videos, we're screwed. I guess so. I guess that's it. Maybe it's not a. Uh, maybe it's not threatening as I thought. Well, so it's an interesting thing when when you. I was listening to a Joe Rogan podcast where he was talking about. Uh, he was talking to a guy that was an expert on AI. The guy was talking about how predictions for the future are really wrong, and you look at something like that Boston Dynamic robot, and you're like, that thing's going to take over. It's going to do all manufacturing. I don't think it will because. There'll be different types of innovations that are more efficient than a robot doing that that might also replace the job, right? So what if somebody comes up with like a material that's just like a liquid applied drywall, like a spray drywall that only foams up. So a guy just walks in, sprays it all over the wall, and it automatically just, you know, they they actually designed a way it like, it's almost like a denser expanding foam that crystallizes into a matrix, but it limits right at half an inch which is like perfect for fireproofing. Yeah. Right. So it's like, it's like a vertically leveling. So the robots is not us competing against the robots. It's us competing against all forms of technology, handheld, autonomous robotic, and all those things. And the ones that went out are the ones that are cheapest and most uh, replicable. My big thought on this is there's got to be other things that a robot can do that can replace, replace a job with like a higher labor value right because you can get a whole crew like churning butter for dr- <laughs> maybe <laughs> right. i don't know oh, i'm sure well, that, there's humans. already kitchen aid figured that one out a while ago you, I, with the mix when i when i see that it's almost like i think it would be like a robot building a whole robot that looks like a human to knit a sweater it's like way it's it's more a it's it's impressive in the way it's solving an obstacle course not that it's actually going to be an effective drywall installer right. also you you have to have a, a drywall hanging robot but then you need another robot that has a multi-tool attachment for a hand mm. so it can cut all the outlet holes or maybe around a bathtub or stuff like that i'll follow behind him with mine yeah oh no okay. you've got a spare robot <gasps> no i got my multi-tool now oh okay got it <laughs> he's like no but i will move like a robot and he'll have no can, idea i'm human I'm, i can do the robot so perfect let's put on a helmet <laughs> awesome Actually, well Oh, um, go ahead. Kind of on that note, it's something that I, I've thought about. I always thought it was interesting. So back when I used to work a day job <laughs> uh, two weeks ago, uh, one of my coworkers who, so I came into the position as a graphic designer and then got into marketing and we had a different 
um, lady who was doing the graphic design that was, she's probably like five years away from retirement, I would say. And she originally like got into and, and worked in the field of graphic design in probably the early eighties and then mm-hmm. quit, had a family and all that stuff and then came back to work later in life. So we would, I would ask her questions about like, you know, different graphic design things that we'd be doing. And I remember asking her about like the equivalent of doing something like this back in the eighties, how would they do it? And she would just tell me like how laborious it was and like how many different, like, it'd be like, well, you'd have to send it off to this person who specializes in just like setting the type. And then you would get that back the next day and then you'd have to do this. And so it was like all these things that are, are tasks that we would do in like, you know, two, one person, two hours and a computer was like three days, five different specialty shops, Mm-hmm. 10 different laborers all to achieve, I mean, basically a worse version of what we're doing now. <laughs> so that's actually the thing that, that always interests me is just like, it's crazy how those huge shifts change, those huge changes occur. And so you would think like, if you just look at it, I think, cause we have a tendency to look at it in a vacuum. You think, well, then people are going to become obsolete. If this one job turns into one person in two hours, what used to be 10 people. But there's so many other factors going on and, and yeah. shifts happening in society and in the world that it doesn't exist in a vacuum and, and, and it doesn't end up working out like that. And once something becomes a lot more affordable, a lot more people are going to want you to do it, right? So right. in the past, if someone needed graphic design work, they're like, all right, guys, this is our graphic design budget and we're blowing it all on this one thing. And so there's, you know what I mean? There's just like not as much work to go around. But now a company will get graphic design work done every other week five because it's right exactly so yeah everything everything scales and whatnot so anyways thank you guys for listening we hope you enjoyed this episode of the modern maker podcast my name is mike montgomery my youtube channel is modern builds you can find me on instagram at modern builds as well my co-hosts are chris salamoni he's (laughs) the one that got a new shop this week go send him a dm go send him uh i don't know maybe just a a picture a a picture of your Picture of send him a picture of the pop tart you're eating. Yeah, your favorite pop tart. That guy listening eating a pop tart. Do it now. <laughs> he is at Four Eyes Furniture on Instagram as well as YouTube. Am I correct? Yep, yep. Last but not least, co-host is Ben Ueda, and he is at Benjamin Ueda on Instagram U Y E D A, and on YouTube he is Homemade Modern, along with other people that post on his channel. Can you uh, spell that name again? I'm going to give him a follow. Awesome. Well, go find more about Maker Brand Co. at MakerBrandCo.com. We've got simple finish. We've got clamps. And we're going to have more. Follow us at Maker Brand Co. on Instagram. Thank you for listening. And we will see you next week on the Modern Maker Podcast. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. We won't really see you. We'll, we'll just talk. You'll hear us next week. And you'll week. listen to us. And you'll like it. No, we'll... We'll see them, they just won't see us. Ninja style.